London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. Hello and welcome to the London Property Podcast. I'm your host Farnaz and today we're speaking to Isla Robinson of NS Global Finance, who specialise in super prime mortgages across the globe. Hi, Isla. Good morning. So uh, can you tell us a little bit uh, about NS Global and how it differs from other mortgage uh, services and advisors? Yes, sure thing. Um, Thank you. Um, So NS is a company that we started 14 years ago, and we are a mortgage broker. Um, So what that means is people come to us with um, their requirements, and then we help them solve their problems or, or deliver their plans by helping them borrow money to do that. So that's the basic principle. We specialise in high-value, international and complicated transactions for individuals all over the world. Um, We have offices in six locations. Um, We work with some of the most well-known, prominent, wealthy individuals and families across the world. What makes us different is our range of lenders that we work with. So we have an unrestricted number of banks and finance providers that we've built over 15, 14 years, which now runs to about 500 providers. And people come to us um, either with a problem or an opportunity they want to deliver, and we work with them to find that money. Uh, What we don't do is say, no, we can't do that, which is what many people do. Um, If it's difficult, we say, you can't do this, but if you change this, or if you add in this, or if you can um, change the transaction in a certain way, this is what's possible. Um, So it's it's about solving the problems rather than finding the absolute perfect solution. So I'm sure some of our listeners will wonder why would an ultra high net worth individual use mortgages? Mm -hmm. So um, I know that there's tax benefits to doing that. And also some people are not as liquid and don't want to be liquid. Can you tell us a bit more about why would an ultra-high net yeah, worth individual? I think um, if, you're, if you're very wealthy, it's easy to buy in cash. And that's the straightforward thing. You, you take your money, you transfer it to the lawyer, and you buy the asset that you're looking for. There are numerous tax advantages um, based on where you are, where you make your money, and where you're buying the property or refinancing the property. Um, so in the UK... There's remittance tax. In France, there's wealth tax. In Spain, there's similar types of things. So tax is the first thing. Um, secondly, um, people are wealthy. Um, that's a given. But being wealthy doesn't mean that you have income or doesn't mean that you have liquid cash. Um, so lots of people like to use mortgages so that they can maintain the assets that they own without having to sell them or to stay liquid. And, and being liquid, especially in this part of the economic cycle is really important. And by being liquid, I mean having access to funds to respond to opportunities. So using a mortgage means that you're potentially reducing your tax burden, you're keeping your cash free to do other things. And of course, mortgages are incredibly cheap. Um, We're seeing, um, for £5 million borrowing, we're seeing interest rates around 1%, um, interest only for five years. So why would you not borrow at that rate? 
Right. And to borrow at that rate, you'd have to be super wealthy to be given those rates. Super wealthy or no me, one of the two things. There you go. Um, So people use short-term finance as a tool to to react to opportunities. So would you be able to provide that kind of, I mean, you you said that you don't say no, so I'm expecting the answer to be yes. But I guess if you're doing developments or, uh, you know, you need to jump on an opportunity to, 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 to get a property, what does it look like when somebody comes to you for short-term yeah, so finance? Short-term finance is a, a part of the market which is a predominantly UK service and it's developed, again, over, I think, 14, 15 years. It's become a real class, a lending class in itself. So when you're um, arranging finance for a property, you can take the mainstream bank approach, which means meetings and interviews and lots of documents and a prolonged period to get your finance agreed. Um, so if you were to walk into any private bank or any high street bank today, you're probably looking at a month to six weeks to get your mortgage agreed. Um, short-term finance is, it, it used to be used when there was a problem. Um, so i.e. I'm buying a property, but my mortgage hasn't come through in time, so I need to take a bridging loan. Or I want to buy a property, I haven't sold mine yet, I need to use a bridging loan. Um, but it's, as more money's come into the, into the sector, as there's more providers and, and more kind of outlets, it's now being used as a different way of doing things for those that would prefer to move quickly um, with less hassle and process and deliver their plans quicker. So a bridging loan can be arranged in it can be agreed in a matter of hours, it can be formally approved in a matter of days, and it can be deployed in eight, nine, ten days if everyone is aligned. So some individuals might choose or might decide that paying a bit more for the certainty of funds and being able to execute a transaction very quickly is better than potentially losing the opportunity or it being delayed by months or going through that longer process. So I would imagine that those type of transactions are probably coming from other family offices of wealthy people mm-hmm. rather than actual institutions. Uh, bridging finance come so bridging finance is um, except for a small part in the UK, an unregulated marketplace. Um, and it's really contract law individuals to individuals. So in the UK we've probably got, I don't know, fifty or sixty very good bridging finance companies. Um, then there's family offices, then there's private individuals and hedge funds and everyone else. Anyone can lend, um, lend on a bridging loan basis unless it's lending to someone against a home that they or their family lives in, which is a regulated mortgage. And that's just a different part. So if you think about, um, in the Channel Islands, peer to peer lending or bridging lending has been happening for hundreds of years. It's, it's a thing. Um, it evolved in the UK out of the uh, the end of the financial crisis where banks were less happy to lend so people started deploying their private money um so yeah anyone can do it um and there's a big marketplace for it and what what are the range of interest payments that that you you pay for that yeah, obviously so, the wealthier you are the cheaper it gets for you yeah, but what I is it so i think it's the wealthier you are wealth makes it cheaper um the type of asset you're using as security makes it cheaper um, your asset base can make it cheaper and also how you access the market can make it cheaper. So for example, um, 
it's commonly expected that bridging finance is expensive. And of course, expensive is a relative thing, but typically people think it costs about 1% a month. So if you're borrowing a million pounds, that's a £10,000 interest payment a month, which is quite expensive compared to private banks or high street rates. Um, but some private banks do offer bridging finance. Um, so some of the uh, lesser well-known private uh, institutions will give short-term lending to their clients at 3 or 4% per annum. Um, they just charge a slight premium because it's short-term in nature and a slightly potentially more risky transaction. So the cheapest bridging finance we've seen, 3 or 4% per annum. Uh, we've arranged bridging finance for some very complicated situations at 20, 30% per annum. Um, we at Ennis see the entire marketplace. We act on behalf of the client, so we will find the best price for that bridging rather than, um, you know, if you, if you just speak to one provider or one family office, you're going to get a probably a less optimal outcome because of your access to the market. So your, your USB is obviously uh, finding solutions. Um, how would you put that in a sentence for us? So we act on behalf of the borrower. Okay, so um, the borrower comes... So you said for one sentence, well, I'm going to rattle on. That's how I kind of do it. Um, so um, we act on behalf of the borrower. So if the borrower goes into a bank, the bank is going to be acting on behalf of the bank. Um, we charge the client a fee, we then deliver what the client needs in the interests of the client using the whole marketplace. So that's our USP. We're acting for the person borrowing the money rather than the institution lending the money. And that's quite important. Right. But that do, does, does the borrower still get subjected to the fees that the bank charges, yeah, obviously? Exactly. Borrowers still have to pay fees, unfortunately. On both that's sides, the but they, they get some of the head taken away from by you doing that. So um, you, you said you have uh, offices in six different um, uh, locations and we're sitting here in, in, in London talking about super prime London. But can you tell us more about, uh, you know, when, when you're looking at a borrower who has a global exposure, um, are you able to leverage against all of those assets? How does, how does that work? Yeah, so we've, we've developed now a proposition where we can look at any asset class technically in any jurisdiction from, for an individual from anywhere. Um, so uh, illustrating that last year we helped 78 different nationalities borrow money against property in 20 countries. So that's quite a big kind of number if you've got there. We don't have any restrictions on nationality or background or anything like that. We work with everyone from everywhere, as you'd expect. Um, and because we know the banks and we understand the logic and the process and we know people in all of these jurisdictions, we can quite quickly work out what can be done in any country. Um, so our key markets for, for property lending are the UK prime European cities, um, prime North American cities and so on, but technically we can arrange anywhere. But it's not just real estate. Um, boats, cars, planes, for example, or financial securities like stock shares, portfolios, uh, private holdings in listed companies and so on, um, or corporate finance, so the finance needed within a business. Um, so if you own a business, you own a business. Um, when you're raising money for that business, we can help there as well, which can go to the total holistic planning, debt planning for individual high net worth 
entrepreneurial people. Right, which is which takes them away from banks that look at one source of income and 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 look at a sort of simple yeah. uh, due diligence process. You look at the whole picture of exactly. this person all over the world and 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 what can they secure. Yeah. What's been your most complex situation? Do you think Com- complexity is 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 how this whole market works now? So I think without being specific, we've worked with. Um, some very, very high profile people that have significant problems for lots of different reasons. Um, we've worked with people that have um, time pressured and current situations that need debt injected to solve their problems. So people, um, you know, they've come to the end of their five years with their private bank and their circumstances have changed and the bank isn't prepared to advance them a new mortgage. So all of a sudden they're caught um, exposed and they, you know, facing a receiver or having the property repossessed, coming in and solving those problems, which are often highly sensitive and, and time pressured and emotional. So things like that. Um, but also significantly, um, you know, big projects. So, um, very, very expensive developments in the UK and France that needs lots of moving parts. So complexity comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. So what's what's a typical loan size that you deal with then? Uh, our average mortgage request uh, over the last three years, sorry, over the last 365 days is about three million pounds sterling, so four million US dollars approximately. Um, we don't have a minimum loan size, so if someone, it's not uncommon for a very you know, a prominent individual to want to borrow a more modest amount, perhaps to, to buy a flat for their daughter in Manchester or to solve a micro problem um, and some very, very big transactions as well. So our our biggest loan ever was completed this month, which was 150 million uh, US dollars secured against a portfolio of securities, um, which, you know, that's a, a mind-bogglingly large number. Um, so we're we're comfortable at either end. So going back to the subject of you know individuals buying things for for their children, we we often get a request from our side on the on the, on the buying side for people who decide that they want to invest in medium long term for uh, their children in in the sort of super prime market. And if somebody has no footprint in 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 the UK and wants to do that. Uh, is that something that you source in the UK or from where they are? Obviously, you don't want to play a currency and a loan yeah. against each other thing, right? I think it's it's a it's a real misception, uh, sorry, misconception, myth that international people can't get a mortgage in the UK. Um, it's a product of distribution and how mortgages are distributed. Um, but there are more than enough lenders that will lend against international people buying in the UK if they don't have income or a footprint here. That's just the way it is. Um, but I think it's it's more difficult and, and, and sometimes the people that get asked those questions don't have the experience or the range to be able to solve those problems. So if you're in the Middle East or if you're in China or if you're in America or South America or Africa and we can understand who you are and how you've made your money and see your income and you can afford a mortgage, we just convince a bank to lend you that money um, to buy a property. Um, so if, um, if your son or daughter is coming to the UK and, and wants a flat in Westminster so they can go to university, we can find structures that 
we can arrange the debt. Um, we can make sure that the property is purchased in a way that's most efficient for the family without incurring too many different tax triggers and so on, and is um, is structured in a way for succession so that it can stay in the family forever. We don't offer the tax advice. We don't offer the structuring advice, but we're plugged into all the very smart people that help us as part of the transaction to deliver that plan. Um, buying, I think, buying a property for your children is one of a main objective for very many wealthy people in in that in that situation, um, and it's not as easy, it's not as difficult as people think it is. And have there been any changes since Brexit that affect borrowing? I, I I I've heard, and I'm not an expert, that UK expats based abroad yeah. are on hold at the moment, pending UK, an agreement yeah. being signed. It, it's a complicated part of the market. UK expats. Buying in the UK through UK through European banks is tricky, but there are some non-European banks that we can solve those situations. I think that's just a matter of time before it, it gets unraveled and things become back to normal. It's a bit more difficult, but there's still ways to, to, to work around that. Or maybe we just don't look at the mortgage. Maybe we can look at some of the other assets to create the liquidity needed to acquire the property. There's lots of different ways to do it. Lots of different ways of doing it. And then I suppose, you, so, so the lending with, with NS Global is uh, more like a, a business lending rather than a regulated mortgage. So yep, if, you, exactly. if you were getting your straightforward high street mortgage, X times your mm-hmm. salary, I don't know how people can afford to buy in Prime Central London, yeah. X times any salary at the moment, but yeah. I think it's that that type of thing, right? It, it, it's really it's really important. If you're if you're a a, a, a a person like you and I that goes into Barclays on the high street and asks for a mortgage, they look at our pay slips and our P60 or our accounts and our SA302s and so on, and they then decide how much we can borrow based on our income. Okay, that's that's how everyone understands it. Um, for individuals that have a, a, a high net worth, and that's Again, property holdings or business holdings or liquid shares or other things. There's a lot of banks that will look at the wealth of the individual. Um, so, you know, their balance sheet, their assets minus their liabilities. And so long as their wealth is of a level, um, the banks can lend a mortgage not dependent on income. So I might not have explained that very clearly, but if you're borrowing a lot of money, secured against an expensive property, and you're a wealthy individual, it doesn't have to be on your income. It doesn't have to be on your accounts or or pay slips. Um, there's other ways of doing it. The high net worth mortgage exemption, for example, means that individuals with a net worth over 3 million or an income over 300,000 don't have to be assessed on income only when applying for a mortgage. And that's how it works. So so what's next for, for NS? You... you... Got any plans of what, what yeah, happens I've, next? I'm going to go on paternity leave for two weeks. Oh, yes, um, congratulations. Or, or a week, uh, or about 20 minutes, depending how <laughs> long I'm alive. I think we've um, debt is um, one of the most important parts of uh, financial planning at the moment. People used to use trusts and companies and all of these types of things to arrange their affairs, but debt is now one of the most important ways of structuring acquisitions in in, a, in effective ways. So what we offer is relevant on an international basis. Uh, we have um, the offices that we've built internationally, so London, Geneva, Monaco, Dubai, have been hugely successful. 
Um, and we're going to continue that footprint. So we're working on uh, three different countries at the moment, and we've got aspirations to be in, in three or four more. So that's something that we're doing. Um, building out corporate finance, um, which is loans to entrepreneurs and business owners. We think that's a really important part of our process. Um, but that, yeah, that's our plans. And what's the most unique asset class that you've agreed to loan against? We did a loan against some cognac, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which um, it wasn't just one bottle of kind of Tesco's own cognac. It was a very rare cognac um, that had been in a family for hundreds of years or, or however long cognac's in a family. And they wanted to raise some money to build a business around that cognac and sell it as a luxury item. So we, we found some bits and finance for that. Um, we've done loans against watches, cars, boats, uh, restaurant leases, technically anything, um, which is the fun bit. So I guess the moral of the story is if you need money, call you. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And then figure it out from there. Exactly. That's a nice Great. Well, thank you very much. It's been really interesting talking to you. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.